Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypt News Podcast. We are buzzing as always. And today we have Big Sui. We got Sue Ennis coming back on the pod for round two. Hut 8 Mining's Vice President of Corporate Development and Investor Relations. We've already heard the intro once, don't need to do it again. And this one is going to be a quick little time crunch epi as Sue has to run. But super pumped to have you on, Sue. Welcome back to the show. Hey, super pumped to be back. Lots going on in the industry and excited to get into it. It is. It is absolute bananas. One thing that we got to cover if we just jumped into this right before the show, but you were in St. Tropez before and you just got back to our beautiful city of Toronto. How shitty must it have been getting on that plane, going from St. Tropez back to Toronto. Any good party stories? Give me give me the tea here, Sue. What do you got for us from St. Tropez? It was definitely an endorphin hangover. So I was in St. Tropez for a big owner of an investment bank. Uh, it was his wedding. And so he flew a bunch of people down for his wedding. I was only there for three days and it was bananas. It was a lot of like Birkins and butt jobs, but just oh, yeah. like world partying that you can't like that unparalleled. Um, so highly, highly, highly recommend for everyone needs to hit San Tropez and party at the beach clubs sometime in their life. So, And he flew you down as well? Like it was, everything was comped? Yeah, he comped, he comped all of his guests. Like wow. he, it was incredible. Yeah. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have had as good of a time if I was paying myself, but um, yeah, it was great. It was really great. That's electric. I love that. Let's get into the crypto stuff here. Obviously, Hut 8 still buzzing as always. We love to see it. Some potential huge news coming out that we will jump into later on in the show. But I think a good place to start would be if you could just give myself and our listeners a quick little TLDR on what is currently happening with Hut 8 because a lot has gone down since you and I chatted about 15, 16 months ago. So the floor is yours, Sue. What's going on with Hut 8 right now? Big time. So we announced a merger with a private company called US Bitcoin Corp back in February. And we're super pumped about this because this would effectively, in a post-merger world, have one of the largest energy portfolios of any publicly traded miner out there. So it's a deal that involves HUT merging with US Bitcoin Corp south of the border. And it also will really not only diversify our power portfolio, diversify our energy portfolio, um, but really give us a competitive edge also in just the growing enterprise infrastructure as a service space. The guys who founded this company actually were in instrumental in helping to procure equipment from Marathon and Riot back in the day. But most importantly, and most, I think their their biggest sort of success is number one, they're very good at buying distressed assets and infrastructure and transforming them. And number two, speed and scale. These guys are extraordinary at standing up infrastructure in very short timeframes. And you and I are going to get into it. But as we look at, you know, not only the growth of the Bitcoin mining space, but also the growth of the AI and the machine learning demand and compute demand, having a diversified power portfolio, having people who know how to build infrastructure at scale for lower capex is super important and something that we're really excited about. Wins across the board. I did read in a couple articles that the team might be moving to Texas. Does that mean Sue's going out west, southwest? Is that, is that going to happen or is that uh, you can just still HQ'd in Toronto? So, so one of their sites is in Texas. They also have sites in Nebraska. And I think what's really exciting about this company as well is they do have a self-mining piece of their business, but mm. they also have a tremendous, as I was talking about, power hosted infrastructure portfolio and also proprietary software, which is sort of like a WeWork white glove mining service as well. But anyways, yeah, so, so some of their JVs on the hosted side of the business and some of their self-mining operations are 
are in Texas. So am I going to be relocating to Texas? No, but I'm actually really pumped to go back. I love Texas. I love barbecue, love the people. So definitely we'll be spending more time down there. Oh, what a treat. You mentioned AI. This is something that really intrigued me because on paper, it seems like it's such a, it's a match made in heaven. It's almost like PB&J, crypto and AI, you know, two very trendy emerging technologies. I didn't fully know that you could really use the energy and the data centers and all of the best things from the Bitcoin mining and help sort of launch some AI infrastructure. I'd love if you could jump into that and take a deep dive. Because again, when I was, you know, researching and and going over show notes for this, I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And I feel like a lot of other Bitcoin mining companies are going to follow your guys' suit as well. Yeah, so I think like let's zoom out quickly from from a macroeconomic perspective what's changed. So I think something like like 2 years ago the demand for AI and AI infrastructure was something like a 95 billion dollar opportunity versus this has now turned into a 900 billion dollar opportunity and potential like total addressable market. If you look at things like it took Twitter two years to gain 1 million users and chat GPT five days. And so one of the areas, well, first of all, Jamie, our CEO, she's been working in the traditional compute space for over 20 years. So she was the gal that like IBM, BlackBerry called in when there was a piece of data infrastructure that desperately needed transforming or to get ready for sale. So Jamie is very well versed in sort of these different iterations of compute well beyond before she got into Bitcoin mining and that that sort of thing. And so actually in January of 2022, we started buying data centers in Canada because Jamie, sort of since she's taken the helm of HUD-8, has seen a world where these traditional data centers, these nascent Bitcoin data centers all sort of merge into one because at the end of the day, all of it is infrastructure and all of it is compute, whether it's you're spitting out cloud and colo AI right. algorithms or, you know, Bitcoin. Anyhow, and so what's really interesting right now is because the demand for AI and compute has increased tenfold over the past year, that also means there's a tremendous amount of demand for infrastructure to power that compute for servers. So like, Because all of that compute needs infrastructure and power, right? right? And because of this high demand, there's a real dearth of inventory available in data centers right now. So Data Center Hawk, for example, said that there's only a vacancy rate of about 2.88% in North America, and in secondary markets, that's 5%. So you have effectively every company in North America, possibly the world, that's trying to think about their AI strategy and how they're going to employ AI compute or machine learning to amplify their business processes, but there's not enough infrastructure available for them to actually run that compute. And so this is what's really interesting, though, about AI compute in and of itself is that it's less latency sensitive and doesn't need 5.9 reliability. So, for example, we've got five traditional data centers. They do house a little bit of AI, but they also house cloud and co-location customers. And so there's a lot more bells and whistles that you need to serve that type of customer versus just like a bare metal, I need to run AI compute, you know, some machine learning algos. And so what's interesting about that is that if you are an infrastructure operator and you know how to scale infrastructure, you understand how these chips work because they're a lot different than, let's say, a Bitcoin ASIC mining chip or, again, a cloud computing customer. And if you know how to stand up infrastructure at scale, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity 
to provide and like infrastructure for this for this piece of the market that's like really deeply underserved and desperately needs it. And so this is where we think that we're going to see tremendous amount of traction because we hit all those buckets, particularly in a post-merger world. So yeah, it's basically like a different class of data centers are now being needed and stood up at a lower capex than like the traditional eight to 10 million that you would spend with like a traditional data center build. And again, in the sort of new hut post-merger world, we've got a tremendous amount of power, tremendous amount of geographic distribution, infrastructure at scale, understanding of the chips, relationships on this uh, on the chip supply chain as well. So yeah, we're pretty pumped about sort of what this means for the future for, and for hut shareholders. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. It's when, when hut first was on my radar, I want to say 2019, 2020, Right when I was just sort of getting into Bitcoin, I guess it would have been early 2020, but nonetheless, all the Reddit threads and all of the Wall Street bets and everything public facing, consumer facing in regards to why you should potentially acquire hot shares. And again, this is not investment advice people. And I guess I should be disclosing that, yes, I do have a small bag of Hut 8. I am Canadian. I can buy it through my TFSA. Um, it's very small and I'm obviously not pumping it in any capacity. I do think it's a great buy, but nonetheless, it was really for an exposure to Bitcoin, right? That was like sort of the bread and butter of the stock back in the day. And now even the team have created this behemoth where you have like multiple verticals of businesses. What, what's What's next after this? Well, I think I think another way of looking at it is Hut 8, at least how I see it. Again, this isn't me like pumping my own bag. This is just how I'm describing it. Is that in in a post-merger world, I really look at Hut as a call option, not only on on the growth of the Bitcoin space and, and the demand for Bitcoin. Bingo. But also a call option on the growth of the AI and machine learning and high performance computing space. And we're sort of looking at ourselves in a post-merger world as like an enterprise infrastructure as a service platform. So if I'm an enterprise, I need AI, I need ML, I need cloud and colo, I can do that. If I'm like a sovereign nation and I want to have machines hosting so I can, you know, dabble in this Bitcoin mining space, HUT can do that. If I'm an investor and I want exposure to sort of Bitcoin price action without having to buy Bitcoin myself, well, HUT's got a stack of right now about 9,000 Bitcoin on our balance sheet. And so oftentimes when Bitcoin runs, we also run in parallel. So again, that's, that's another opportunity. So. Um, that's sort of how I see Hut in this post-merger world, and again, we're we're just we're really just getting started, and so it's it's pretty exciting. So you you also I don't think you can say oh we have you know just a stack of nine thousand Bitcoin like that's not a stack that's a that's a castle <laughs> like that is a yeah. shitload. I think you guys are second, right? I want to say Marathon is the only one who has more. So Mara, I haven't looked at what their latest. Last time I checked, I think they were at like twelve thousand or so, but they actually bought. 4,500 Bitcoin in January of 2021. So in terms of if they're beating us on the self-mine stack, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd say Marathon is probably the only one that's ahead of us. Yeah, it's a lot of Bitcoin. Speaking of Bitcoin, a lot of big things popping up. We have ETFs potentially coming in. We have BlackRock making news. We have the halving next year, 10 months away. I feel like this is something that's not news and it should be news because every time there's a having things rip and it's, you know, everyone gets to put their their dancing shoes on and their party hats on, which we love to see. But 
What's going on with Bitcoin right now? And more specifically, I'd love if you could speak to sort of the public facing stuff. Um, NASDAQ has also rose 39% in the first half of 2023. Learn that from Big Sui's Twitter. Also, if you're not following Sue on Twitter, do go follow. Great follow. Um, but what's going on in the Bitcoin space right now? What do we have to look forward to? And uh, what about these strategies and impact on miners in the next Bitcoin having? Because like, again, this has massive yeah. implications on HUD 8. Totally. So I think it's incredibly bullish that, you know, sort of there, obviously there's been quite a bit of consternation and concerning news coming out of the SEC since, you know, the FTX collapse, obviously. And fair enough, like there's been more calls for regulation and really a greater surveillance on, on platforms that custody and trade customer funds, like understandably. Um, but I think it's incredibly bullish that in light of all that sort of SEC FUD, where is regulation going? BlackRock, Invesco, Wisdom Tree, who else? Vanguard all refiled their spot BTC ETFs. Super interesting. And they actually all had to refile their applications last week because apparently the SEC said that there was an insufficient information around sort of the spot market surveillance that they're going to be using. So so who are they going to use for, for spot market surveillance? And it looks like all of them have chosen Coinbase. Yeah. And the fact that they had to refile a lot of sort of the 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 re, the stuff I was reading is this actually isn't like a roadblock, but just sort of like a like a speed bump. It's actually kind of a good thing that the SEC. CC said, look, okay, but I need you to sort of tweak this part or that part. And so if we can get a spot ETF approved, that's going to be extraordinary for, I think, the demand and Bitcoin and Bitcoin price action in a big way. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and give a huge shout out to our sponsor of the show. That is Prime XBT, long time sponsors and friends of the Crypto News Podcast. We love Prime XBT as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XBT is also running an exclusive promotion for listeners of the Crypto News Podcast. After making your first deposit, 50% of that deposit will be credited to your account as a bonus that can be used as additional collateral to open positions. Again, the promo code is CryptoNews50, that's CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Now back to the show with Sue. So we got to talk about the Bitcoin halving. Again, 10 months away, it's going to be good for everyone. What implications does that have specifically on HUD-8? So I would say it's going to be good for everyone who is holding Bitcoin. That would be, again, not investment advice, but if you look at past halving cycles, usually we've seen a rally from anywhere from eight times to a hundred times the actual yeah. price of Bitcoin within the next years, year or so after. Um, now, from a miner perspective, though, there's a lot of risk if you are a single threaded miner. And so what do I mean by that? Mining is obviously an incredibly capital intensive business. You have to spend money on power, you have to spend money on machines, and you effectively have to compete to win a block reward, right? And in a post-having world, that block reward actually gets cut in half. So from 6.25 to 3.15, I believe, or 3.125. And so not only as a miner are your potential for rewards getting halved, but you're also what's really changed this time around and this time and in this iteration and this sort of next era of having is there's a tremendous amount of private mining power being stood up in the Middle East and by um, traditional enterprise. So there's about six mm. gigawatts worth of power being stood up in the Middle East and a lot of sovereign nations and, you know, very wealthy family offices that are now looking to get into mining. 
So what that means is, you know, you've effectively got groups that now have effectively unlimited access to capital and very, very cheap power who now are going to be competing against you as a miner for that reward. So how Hutt is looking at it is effectively saying that, you know, any miner who's single-threaded is really going to be reliant on you know, an incredibly capital-intensive business with diminishing returns and increased competition, or with HUT, we're taking the avenue that we're looking at ways that we can partner with some of these newer entrants. And how we're doing that is with this pending merger with US Bitcoin Corp. One of the businesses that they built out is this like white glove sort of WeWork model for mining. So they've got proprietary software stack that's already running with many customers and creating incredible efficiency and returns. So being able to scale that piece of their business, that white glove mining service, that software as a service, it's CapEx light, it's scalable and partnering with those entrants in the Middle East and sort of that being sort of one of our ways to pivot our business without having to rely on so, so much capital intensity, um, we think is going to be a major competitive advantage because it's still us playing in the mining space, right. but in a more thoughtful CapEx light and scalable way and partnering with some of those bigger entrants. So, and obviously, uh, you know, I hate it's so cliche, but like software eats the world. It is a very meaningful it's proprietary true. software business that Bitcoin Corp has built. And so we're really excited to sort of use that as kind of our our killer app in a post-mining world. Not saying we're not going to self-mine anymore. You know, we obviously still have, as per our recent announcement, about 7.5x ash of self-mining um, that's going to come online in a post-merger world. But I think, you know, focusing on those other really meaningful, scalable businesses, plus the AI and ML strategy is where, where our head's at. And so when you talk about the WeWork style mining sort of partnership. Does that mean like, let's say I had a mining rig, I would use my own rig and then I would use your software? So you could just hand us your rig and we would manage it for you. We'd plug it in. We then would load our software on top of it, manage it for you, and then you clip the returns. You're obviously paying us like a a fee and a service for it, like a fee for it. But yeah, that's, that's what we mean by the WeWork model. Nice, I love that. We've covered... A pretty solid amount of HUD8 stuff and Bitcoin related stuff, market related stuff. I'd love to cover some Sue specific related stuff. You had an incredible trajectory to where you are right now. And I think investor relations becoming more important than ever, in my opinion, because of how much the public and I feel like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the average Joe couldn't have any say when now it's like you have all the Reddit streams and the and, and the CEO.com and obviously you have Wall Street bets and everything else. It's like your job is ever more important because there's so many more people chiming in on your stock and whatnot. How do you deal with it present day? And I guess a follow-up to that is like, how do you stay up to date? Because as someone in IR, you don't just have to know everything about Hut 8. You also need to know about the markets. You also need to know about the Canadian markets more specifically. You need to know about Bitcoin. You need to know about energy, AI. How do you keep everything up to date? Like, how do you not explode with craziness and knowledge? I mean, for sure, you know, when markets are down and there's a lot of volatility, and, you know, I feel like there are some days where I spend like 80% of my time troll whispering. Um, I spent, <laughs> so I spend a lot of time on different platforms, just like, Talking to people, I mean, I'd say I'm a pretty generally curious person in general. So I've, I've always just like reading the news and just talking yeah. to different people. But I do think that like any company that doesn't have someone connecting with the retail investors, obviously also institutional investors, but like the internet is the new decentralized hedge fund. If you don't know 
who's on your, like, who's talking about you on Reddit or like who the big Twitter accounts are that follow you or who, like, who on Wall Street Bets is like talking shit about you. Like, yeah, you that's know. going to be a disservice. You got to know and you need to engage those people because to your point, long gone are the days where like you go to your financial advisor who's going to tell you what stocks to buy. Absolutely not, man. Like yeah, COVID has really democratized access to, and and also all these online trading platforms, like like people have more power than ever to make their own decisions. And also I love the rise of like the YouTube analysts of like yeah. the Reddit army. Yeah, It's a beautiful thing. And so you need to really take the internet seriously now, I think, and a lot of sort of older, like white haired IR people, like don't yeah. understand that things have changed. This isn't the nineties. Like you need to be <laughs> online and you need to like, you need to talk to like the people directly. So, and I just went on a little, my Ted talk there, but that's. No, that's, no, you did. Where, where are the worst trolls? Twitter, Reddit, like what's the, just the absolute woke platform. And you know what? I'm going to say it's a little bit of Twitch. Oh, no, no. Okay, here. I would say Twitch is the most, like, crass. That's what people on Twitch just, like, want to talk about number twos and, like, like bathroom shit. Versus Twitter, I so think true. that's where the most anonymous troll... Yeah, I'd say Twitter's where the most trolling happens. And it's really funny because I'll have some, like, savage trolls come out of the woodworks. And when then when I DM them directly, especially if they have a following, I will DM them directly and be like, hey, do you want to chat, like... Maybe I can help clarify some things. Like 98% of the time they don't respond. It's just people like wanting to like, yeah. you know, throw herd in public and then run and hide. But again, there's also extraordinary influencers and brilliant people on all of these platforms who can make a major impact in people talking about your stock and people trading your stock and people even looking at your stock. And so you need to pay attention. So anyhow. Any marathons recently? No, not recently, but I do think I might do this like, four-day Marathon de Sable in Morocco, where you basically run across Morocco for like four days in the desert and like camp out in the desert. Be That's so, like next on my list. That'd be so toasty though. I'd be leaking, like be, <laughs> yeah. be sweat city for four days straight. And probably like UTI central with all that sand. Oh. But like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think that might be next on my list. What about uh, yeah. you? Do you have rad travel coming up? LA, hopefully August, and then just a couple golf trips, but nothing, nothing too crazy. And then uh, hopefully Dubai towards the end of the year. But I do have a quick marathon story for you. One of my buddies, not a runner, ex-athlete, hockey player, we used to play hockey together. He got a couple of us, we were at the bar one night and uh, we were just talking shit. And he's like, oh, I'll run the trauma marathon with you guys. So he trained for two weeks and ran a sub four marathon, never ran more than 10K in his life. How bananas is that? It's crazy. Never trained. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, so he, uh, shout out Herbie, good lad. Any, um, I know we're getting tight for time here, Sue. Any hot takes, anything you'd like to discuss? Is there anything that's really tickling your fancy at the moment that, uh, you know, top of mind for Sue? Yeah, you know what? I think that it's been a really, really rough bear market for all of us. Like this Interest rate rising has just crushed all of us. I am fortunately locked into a fixed rate at the terrible, worst possible time last September. But I do think that we're starting to see inflation come down in Canada. We're starting to see some decent yeah. numbers coming out of the U.S. Obviously, the Fed held rates, but did signal there's probably two more to come. But some of the numbers are aligning that maybe maybe we're not in for a more aggressive hiking cycle. And so I'm personally really excited because I do think the bull market is coming back. 
you know, I'm hodling strong and I just really think January 2024, it's going to be like just gangbusters again. It's all, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot better. And I'm really excited for that time to come because guys, it's been rough. Like the past yes. year and a half has been rough. And so I'm just happy and bullish on, on seeing that, you know, us move out of that. Yeah, totally. Sue, always a pleasure. Great to have you on. Can't wait to have you on for round three. We still need to meet up in person and uh, maybe go for a nice little 10K in our beautiful city of Toronto, which is uh, absolutely buzzing right now. I haven't seen the city like this since 2019. Like it's crazy. Yeah. One one thing that I, I'd actually love your uh, your take on, the working days. Again, I live, I'm like pretty downtown core. Tuesday to Thursday, mayhem. People everywhere. You can't get a rezo anywhere. Mondays and Fridays, ghost town. Have you noticed that as well? The three-day work week? Yeah, yeah. Tuesday to Thursday yeah, is just bananas. And then Friday to Monday, it's like tumbleweeds and ghost town yeah. in on King Street. Um, but yeah, patio season in Toronto is awesome because yeah, yeah. everyone's at their cottages or whatever. So, But yeah, maybe next time we come back on, I'll hopefully have one of the co-founders of US Bitcoin Corp join us. He, they're like Huge. crazy. Mike Ho, one of the co-founders, he sold his first business at 21 for seven figures, built it at 16, helped procure for Marathon and Riot when he was like 25. Like he, they, these these guys just are like aliens. They yeah. are so not from this world. Anyway, so hopefully I can get one of them to come back on because I think they'd make a really cool interview. But, but yeah, thanks for having me on as usual and uh, we'll chat soon. Love that. So before you go, you got to let our listeners know where they can find you and Hot 8 online and on socials. Yes. So I am at Big Suey, B-I-G-S-U-E-Y. And Hut 8, you can find Hut8.io uh, is our website or Hut 8 Mining or at Hut 8 on Twitter. Twitter. That's where you can find us. Love that. Folks, what an episode with Sue Ennis. Bring in the heat as always. Tons of knowledge bombs as well. Huge shout out to Sue and the team for coming on. If you guys enjoyed this one, and I hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to my team and I. Speaking to the team, love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. Could not be here without you. Eustas, my amazing sound editor. Appreciate you as always. And to the listeners, love you guys. Keep on growing those bags and keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy. Bye for now and we'll talk soon. 